Good evening everybody, a very warm welcome tonight. I am absolutely thrilled. We are here with a very special guest. We have ultra runner, award-winning blogger, filmmaker, podcaster, and wild ginger running patron, it's John Kinniston. Woo! <laughs> How, are you? <laughs> How are you I'm tonight? Great. Yeah, yeah. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah. It's a great honor to be on your show. It's um, it's one of the things that ins has inspired me over the years, Claire. Just watching your 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 channel, and some of the things that you've done, and it's certainly given me lots of ideas of things that I I've, I've wanted to do as well. Fantastic. Well, we're going to talk about all of these things tonight, and I'm just so impressed, um, especially with your YouTube channel. It's such a fantastic resource for anybody doing the races that you have done in the past. So, if you're not familiar with John's uh, YouTube channel, it's just called John Kiniston. Um, very simply, just type it into Google. You'll find his blog. You'll find his YouTube channel. You'll find his podcast, and um, just just make sure you go there and just have a look through all these fantastic resources um, and we'll be talking about some of the races that you've been um, doing over the years John so really excited um, but first of all I just want to read out some fan messages for you to just get us all in the mood <laughs> so um, first of all Hannah Neal says yay I love listening to John's interviews and watching his YouTube videos and Di says Claire, a huge thanks. I genuinely think John is such an interesting character in the sport and has completed so much, but is so relatable to all runners. I wish him all the very best for the future and hope to catch the live chat. So, hope Di is listening tonight. Then we've got Jabin, who is a fan of Run to the Hills. He says, great, I love listening to Run to the Hills, which is John's latest podcast, which you all must go and listen to after this. And Becky McCoy says, ah, oh, cheer child, keep emailing me about Run to the Hills podcast. I'll have to have a listen. Yes, Becky, you will. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, tons of people on the live chat um, and I'll read out some messages. If you want to type a message to John in then go ahead, I'll be reading those out in a minute. But I think probably we should start with a question so that I can stop chit-chatting. Um, let us just talk first about your blog, John, because you've sent this picture here of your ultra running diary which heads up your blog. Um, you've got all these plans for 2020 and you've got this long-term goal to run the um, 100 ultras by your 70th birthday. Birthday. I can't even believe you're approaching your 70th birthday because you look very young and fresh to me. Um, but yeah, just to, like tell us how it all started with them. Um, was it the blog first? What happened? Yeah, it was funny. I, in 2006, I discovered ultra running and uh, I heard about the West Hallamway race. And I'd been injured for quite a few years up until that point with a calf injury. And I finally got it sorted out and I was looking for a new challenge. And I'd done a marathon in my mid-twenties, but never really enjoyed marathon road running. Um, and I've always loved the hills. I've always loved being in the mountains. And I heard about the West Highland Way race and I thought, right, that's what I want to do. So I got in touch with the organizers, got a place for 2007. And then I discovered blogs at that point as well. I had a friend in, in the church I was involved in in Paisley and he was going to America to study for a year and he said he was going to share his journey on a blog. And I'd never heard of a blog. This was <laughs> November 2006, but it just appealed to me and I started looking at blogs and I thought, oh, I'd, love to do, I'd love to do a blog. You know, what should I do it on? And then at the same time, I discovered the, the, the race and I, I couldn't find anything about training for an ultra race at that point. 
there wasn't there wasn't blogs that there, were, there weren't too many out there so I thought well I'll combine these two things together and it would just be a one-off uh, I'd just do the West Highland Way once I'd write the blog for six months not eight months I'd just share everything I've learned I'm learning as I go along and it might help someone else so that's how it started and it was literally just going to be a one-off for six months uh, eight months maybe um, but uh, here it is and what 14 years later and it's still going. <laughs> yeah, and it's an absolutely fantastic resource for the West Island Way, that's for sure. And I know when I came to talk to you on your YouTube channel, um, you really inspired me to one day do the West Island Way, not in one go, but just over like a few days. Um, mm. And you've been just, um, I've seen you've recently been doing a virtual West Island Way because of COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, there's, there's two things. There was one, the West Highland Way race was cancelled during the summer, obviously. So as a race, we organised a, a virtual race. So we encouraged people to run 95 miles over, over nine and a half days. And so that was in, in June. But I think the one you're referring to, I, I work with active schools in Glasgow. So I'm an active schools coordinator. So I work in a secondary school and primary schools. And we have a big event, the Great Scottish Run. And we have a schools event where on the Friday before the, the, the half marathon on the Sunday, we have about 2,000 children coming over the day, running a 2K, doing it half an hour to come and try, and then off again, then the next group come. Obviously, that was cancelled as well. So we decided to organise a virtual West Highland Way uh, run. So we encouraged classes uh, in Glasgow to sign up as a class and run 95 miles over two weeks. So if you had a class of 25, um, each child would have to run about four miles to cover it. And it's just finished last Friday, and we had um, we had we had over 7,000 children uh, taking part. We had 205 classes completed it, and some of them just carried. They loved it so much they kept on going. I think the the, the biggest the the biggest distance a class ran was just over 300 miles. Wow! Uh, as, as a class, yeah. So it, that's been really fun. So it, that's that's part of what my job is. It's about motivating young people, trying to get them active, trying to get them off the computers as much as possible, and trying to get them into clubs and and doing various things. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 a job, but it's very much a passion as well. That's fantastic when you can align your passion with your job, isn't it? It's so important mm. in life to do something you really feel so like heartfelt about. Um, and I have just got a picture that you sent me here about you. It's you doing your first West Island Way in 2007. Mm. And I'm just thinking back to that time. There, there wasn't a lot of people doing ultras back in 2007, was there? It seems to have really exploded, especially in the last kind of 10 years. Um, uh, what, what was the race like, your first ever ultra? Yeah, I, I heard about the race in, in November and uh, I got in touch with Dario, who's the race director at the time, and he rang you up, you know, and had a chat with him. <laughs> and um, you sent off your application form and your check on, in the post. Um, and then I got, I got a place. And there was, I think there was 70 people at that stage who had entered. And I think there was 120 on the start line that first year I did it. Um, and uh, it, it just, oh, it's just, it's just amazing. It's the same feel. I, I always feel that, in some ways, I was not the bridge, but I was. I, I, I've been involved in the race now, or with ultra running for the last 14 years, and I, I think I saw the end of it. What it was like, maybe five years before I joined, where it was even smaller fields, and uh, everyone knew everybody. So, say in Scotland, if you did the West Highland Way race, you would pretty well know everyone else who was doing it. Um, whereas obviously now it's bigger and we have a ballot and it's a lot, a lot a bigger race and you, you, you don't know everybody in the same way. Mm, yeah. um, 
but that yeah that first year was great I I, I struggled a lot because I had been injured a lot before it um, and so I, I had an ambitious plan I wanted to try and run under 24 hours <laughs> and uh, I was injured a few weeks before and I was struggling a bit but I, I finished in 22 hours 45 um, wow. and I was but honestly, my quads were so sore. I remember there's a bit where you go up the devil's staircase which after about 75 miles. And um, I was go up, going up, I was okay. But my legs were so sore. Uh, when I went down, I had to walk backwards down the, off the devil's staircase because it was so painful. <laughs> and so I was, I was really pleased to finish it. Um, but I said before, I thought it was just going to be a one-off. Yeah. But uh, as soon as I finished it, I, I knew I could do better. Uh -huh. And so I was determined to go back the next year and have another go and train better. And um, and that's what happened. And then I, I just, I, I'm still doing it. I still, you know, it's uh, I, I just love the whole atmosphere of ultras and being involved in them. Not running on the support side and helping out. And how many times have you done the West Island Way then, um, that specific race? Yeah, I've done it six times now. Yeah, and uh, my best time is 19 hours 51, 59. Amazing. When I was, when I was 50, I'm, I'm uh, pretty proud of that one. And uh, so that was, and I think it, it's always been that um, if you can run under 23 hours, that was seen as a, as a standard of a good club runner because you start at one in the morning and you finish by midnight, so you've ran it on the Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, but th the 20 hours was always something which I wondered whether I could do. And that was always a big goal for me to try and get under 20 hours. And my second year, I, I made it by 27 seconds. Wow. I, fi I finished in 19 hours, 59, 33. It was literally just inside. Uh, and then the following year, that was my best ever. Wow, oh, that's amazing. And we are going to come on, we've got some questions from patrons about your training. Um, so we'll get onto those in just a bit. But then I just want to fast forward a little bit because you obviously got really into the ultras and you've sent me some really lovely pictures of you doing um, three other races, which presumably are some of your favorites. Although this one is is the Hardmores 55 um, in the Beast from the East. So this is a great photo. I don't know who's taken this, but it is basically for those listening on the podcast um, it's John and um, Katrina running the Hardmores 55 um, you can't hardly see them in this picture because it, the lens is just covered in snow um, so John can you just tell us a little bit about this and like um, you're like 10 years on from your first race now so you're presumably a lot more experienced um, what was that Hardmores 55 like for you? Well, the Hardmore series, uh, our good friends John and Shirley Steele uh, organised those races and I've done pretty well most of their races and I've done the 55, I did the first one and I've done six now and um, my wife Katrina got into ultra running about eight, nine years ago, I think she was fed up with supporting me so she thought she might as well join. I'll have a go and, at this. <laughs> yeah, and she's a great runner, she's she's done a marathon in 3.42 as a wow. 50 year old, you know, oh she's a good, a great runner. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'd always, I'd said to her, if you ever want to do a, the Hardmores race, then we'll do it together. And I said that the 55 is a great race. It's in March. The first year I did it, it was a bit wet and miserable. But after that, it's been great weather. So I, I persuaded her to do it. And then we were driving down on the, on the, the Friday before the race. And there was all these warnings about the beach from the east oh. and the storm. And we, we set off. And it was just that, that, that photo was just coming into Osmotherly. A lady called Anne Brown took that photo. 
and uh, it was just it was you just couldn't see it was just thick thick snow and it, it was like that for the rest of the race and we got to Kildale with about 12 miles to go and we were in the checkpoint and we were really cold so I said to Katrina let's get some coffee and soup and warm up before the last 12 miles and just just before we were about to go um, the marshal said who's who's stopping here and there was about 30 or 40 people in the hall and at least half put the hands up and I looked across at Katrina and she she had her hands down she wants to finish <laughs> it and then honestly Claire literally we were just about to stand up to go and the marshal stood up and said, I'm, f- I'm afraid we're going to have to cancel the race. And oh, it got no. stopped. Yeah. Oh, no. So, so if we'd left five minutes earlier, we probably would have got to the end. But um, it was just one of those experiences. It was an amazing race. And I've never been so cold in a race. It was. I remember our water bottles froze in the, wa- in the water bottle as we made our way to the checkpoint. Uh, but it makes a great photo, doesn't it? Yeah, it's an amazing photo because oftentimes, like when you run in such conditions, like extreme rain, extreme wind, and extreme snow, you don't want to get the camera out. So thank you to Anne Brown, was it? Did you say yes. that's yep. taken that photo? Yep. Thank you, Anne. It's just an amazing souvenir of a great race. Um, and um, uh, just a couple of comments about this on the live chat. But Hannah Baisley said, "I don't know if John and Katrina are mere mortals with the sort of times they achieve. Amazing." <laughs> um, so we we. Better to just uh, mention everybody who's watching live here tonight because we've got a ton of people tuning in thanks guys for listening so we've got Di Wilson who is a big fan he has sent me many questions for you John so I will be reading those out in just a moment after we've talked about your ring of fire and dragons back race um, and Guy says hello all looking forward to this I love John and what he has done for the running community some good fans here John um, <laughs> Sue Hewitson says evening all and so does Nigel Barnett Flo Maskell hello Flo Flo is one of my newest patrons so hello to you Flo and thank you so much for your support um, Adrian Orange is here he says ready and raring Hannah says hi Philip Haddock says hello and thanks John for putting some really good recce videos on YouTube so definitely helping some people out there John and Peter Kraut says hi all uh, Conrad is listening from Michigan in the USA he says nice nice to join in hello John and Nadia Federman is watching as well I think from Switzerland I hope I've got that right I did post her a buff recently so I should really know that um, but hello to Nadia um, Peter says I started John's podcast today um, he says keep on keep up the great work and also the running um, Hannah says she's doing the Lakeland recce um, she's doing sorry the Lakeland 100 or 50 so she's gonna be looking at your recce videos Sharon Houston says hi as well and um, Hannah's got a question that I'll just put in and ask later about she wants some top tips for ultra running she's just getting into the sport um, and everybody has big um, kudos to you for encouraging the young people into the sport as well um, Kurt says, um, I'm late but hopping on for a few minutes. Hello all. And John Gardner says, I'm sneaking in late too. Um, Alan McLeod says, hello everyone. I'm fitting you in round a shift, round some shift work. And Stuart Newbury is here and he says, this is already inspiring me to do more off-road running. 
you won't regret it. Yeah. So <laughs> loads of people tuning in live. You're obviously a very popular guest, John. Um, and we'll just talk a little bit more about these uh, couple of races that you've done before we get onto these patron questions about your training and, and why you do what you do. So the Ring of Fire in 2018. Here's a lovely picture of you. Um, I don't know if you're finishing. There's a flag and you're kind of, you look like you're giving it some welly and there's a cliff behind you and it's nice grassy trail so ring of fire why have you sent me this photo in particular was it a race close to your heart yeah i, I think I, I, after a while I, I was looking for as you do for a new challenge and um i'd done the races i really love doing you know the west Highland way that the lakeland the hard moors the northern traverse across the country and i was looking for a, a slightly different challenge and I, it was the dragon's back that really appealed to me which probably the next photo you'll show and i wanted to do a multi-day event before the dragon's back so the ring of fire anglesey i'm from liverpool originally and we, we often holidayed on anglesey and it really appealed to me the idea of running right round Anglesey and it's based on three days so you do you start on Friday afternoon and you do 32 miles the first day and then 65 on the Saturday and then finish with another 33 34 on the Sunday so it was a th it's a three-day event and I thought that would be a really good preparation for the Dragon's Back and to sort of learn what it's like to be able to sort of run three days on the run and it was it was just perfect i really really enjoyed it the, the guys who organize it they live on anglesey or they from anglesey and they just want to showcase the island and all the checkpoints are all their mates basically and their family friends and so there's a lovely atmosphere about the whole event um and i, I just yeah i just really enjoyed it and it's a, it's an amazing route because you're running on obviously right around the, the edge of the island on the edge of the island so it, it's it's tougher than you think because there's a lot of flat bits but are on beach mm -hmm. and some of the beach is big big stones that it's hard to run on others soft sand so even the flat bits you still have to work quite hard really mm. and particularly the saturday because it's a long day you yeah, know you, you're, that is long. I, think I, I think i was out for just under 17 hours for the Saturday. Yeah. And then it starts at six o'clock on the Saturday and six o'clock on the Sunday. Wow. So I must have finished round about half 11 on the Saturday. And then you've got to be up and ready to go again at six the next morning. Oh so, my goodness, that yeah. is an ultra sandwich and a half, isn't it? That's 35, right. 64, 35 or, or whatever it was. Wow, yeah. I think I would love to do that one if it wasn't so long on the Saturday. That that, <laughs> that sounds like that would kill me. Um, but fantastic achievement that. Um, yeah, that's really brilliant. And then, so you used that as your training for the Dragon's Back in 2019. Here you are looking very buff. There's a thigh muscle, just like a giant thigh muscle on your left leg there as you're going down this hill and you you seem to be ahead of loads of people behind you um it's like a rocky a rocky summit do you remember what day what day this yeah, was, that was, and where that was i think that was i think that was day two um because the it's a, it's a five-day event starts at conway finishes a place called clan dilo just under 200 miles but the, the key thing about the Dragon's Back is it goes over all the peaks. Mm. So the first two days particularly, you, you go over a lot of mountains and it's a lot of really tough terrain. Uh, I was 60 last year and I really wanted to do something which I thought was going to be at the edge of my ability. And this was. And I knew I had to get most things right to be in my preparation, my training and then my, my mentally on, on the on the week itself. And I just absolutely loved it. You know, it was an amazing event. It was really well organized by Shane Orley and his team. 
um, you know that the whole thing just is just so well done and professionally well done and you just feel well looked after an amazing route we had great weather as well which always helps but um, I just absolutely love that event yeah oh, it looks amazing I'd love to do a recce of that route and put it on my mm. channel so these these races did you make films of all of these races the ring of fire and the dragon's back and um, did you make films as you went or is it just certain ones that you make the films of I must admit the the ring of fire I did a film of mm. um, but the dragon's back I decided not to I, I thought that if I if I was trying to make a film as I went along and and I missed the cutoff by 20 minutes because I was taking a film I would have been really annoyed so yeah. I made the decision not to so I did I did five recce weekends in the year leading up to the race and I did lots of I, I did lots of films of those so I, I've done a I've done five films and um, sort of leading up to the event and that was quite nice because there's loads of overseas students uh, students overseas runners that um, take part in the dragons back and I w I'm not exaggerating, but I would say a lot of them, you know, thank me for the videos that I've done because they, they couldn't recce the course. Yeah. And so just to be able to get a sense from my videos, the what the terrain was like, what the views were like, and um, just get a little bit of in insight really helped them. So there was some, yeah, some really nice people who thanked me for those. I, it's funny because I, I, I do them primarily for myself. So the, the Lakeland ones, I, I did them with my friend Dave and um I knew I was only going to cover each section once in the in the lead up, and you do forget what what, what bit comes where. So I made them to, to help myself really in my preparation, uh, and same with the dragons back. But it, it's always a for me it's a real bonus when other people benefit from them as well. Yeah, um, so it's I, sort of like a diary thing for yeah. you as well as the kind of the the external help that it gives to other people. That's cool. Yeah, and I would say that my blog's the same. I I, I I primarily write the blog for myself, so I've got a great resource now. So if I want to go back and do a race or I want to think about what, what my training was like five years ago. I can I can read my own blog and I can see some of the lessons I've learned. I always do a race report and I try and include the lessons I've learned from that race. And you forget, don't you? Uh, yeah. I do. <laughs> and then, so it's good to be able to look back and read them again. I thought, oh yeah, I learned that and make sure I don't make that mistake again or whatever. So that they help me and if they help other people, obviously that's a real bonus. Yeah, it's just a bonus because you can learn stuff from other people's mistakes, can't you? But, oh, but yeah. really, you have to, <laughs> you kind of have to make a few mistakes yourself yeah. as well because what works for you might not work for another person. Um, yeah. So that just sounds like a really good thing to do. Um, so we've got some questions now from patrons so John is a patron thank you so much for your support John it's, it's really fantastic of you very generous um, and patrons are basically the people who um, fund this channel they support um, Wild Ginger Running um, and there's a link to patron just below the logo just over there patron.com slash Wild Ginger Running and so I prioritize patron questions in all of I'm my so, interviews yeah, I must say as well, Claire, I've really enjoyed being a pet, your, one of your patrons. Yay. I think you look after it as well. <laughs> you know, you, you give us extra things and a, I've got a nice buff that you, you sent. Um, and I, I do think I would, I would encourage people to, to support your channel because I think what you do is great and it, you provide a lot of great resources for us to, to use. So, yeah, uh, thank you very much. Oh, 
Aw, thanks John. Yeah, I do try to give everyone preferential treatment and if anybody has questions, I always prioritise answering those questions before any random people that just pop up on the channel. So, so thank you to everybody for supporting me, especially everybody who remained supporting me through COVID as well and people mm. actually upped their pledges through COVID as well just because all my other work got cancelled obviously with no races and no writing. So um, yeah, it's just been brilliant and so thanks guys and gradually, hopefully, I'll get some more event work eventually and, <laughs> and I'll be a little bit, it'll be a bit better. But thank you guys for continuing to support me because it's just fantastic. So here we go with the first patron question. It's from Dai, who we already um, know is a big fan and watching just now. He said, um, firstly, congrats to John on all he has achieved, both with the sport and his life. Amazing ambassador. Um, John, you have done so many different types of competition. Do you have a preference? Like, do you like single day ultras or multi-day events? What do you prefer and why? Okay, I, I think um, I think at the moment I, I really really enjoy the multi-day events. Um, I think as I get older, I'm get I know I'm getting slower, <laughs> um, and that's fine. I could I could live with that. Um, but the thing that I'm really enjoying is the is the multi-day ones. So I did the Dragon's Back and the, the Ring of Fire. I did um, the Great Lakeland three-day events as well, which I'd recommend. That's an amazing event in the Lake District. Um, and then this year I was planning to do the Deadwater which was a, it's a six-day event it starts just inside scotland and finishes just past chester and it's six days um, obviously that got cancelled this year so that's being put forward to next year and then i was going to be on the event team for the cape wrath which i, I know you've done claire and then um, <laughs> with the done. idea <laughs> half done <laughs> with, with the idea of being on the event team for this year and then doing it next year oh. so that's been moved back a year so i'll be on the event team next may with the idea of doing it the following year so i think to answer the question it's the it's the multi-day ones i'm really enjoying them i i've tried i, I did the northern traverse and the lake and the hard wars 160 which are long the continuous ones but I have a slight problem with my eyesight I've got this thing called a lazy eye oh. and when I'm really really tired I in, into a second night I start seeing double and I, re, I really struggle with my sort of seeing depth and uh, I've, I've had it checked out and he said you know basically it's it's something that normally you see in a, a younger child oh. and it normally corrects itself but it, I, I just got a bit cross-eyed when I'm really tired um, so I find the continuous ones where you go through over 30 hours I don't cope so well with those at the moment but what I love is the multi-day ones because you get a chance to have even if it's four or five hours sleep it just resets me it sets my eyesight and then I'm, I'm, I'm fine and I think I, I think the multi-day ones the more experience you have I think the better you do and um, because I think the experience you get from running all these things so I, I still so the dragons back I think there was 400 nods started and 250 finished I finished 201st but I felt as the week went on I was getting stronger and the last the last day was probably my strongest day and I probably finished the best position I did of the whole race wow. um, and I think part of that is experience and also I'm, I think I've learned how to pace myself and look after myself and and so I I feel that the multi-day ones probably suit uh, where I'm at at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, and and it's a more of a journey, isn't it? Like it's not yeah. just one day; yeah. it's like a holiday kind of thing, isn't it? That's right. It's just yeah. running all day is great, yeah. unless you get blisters. <laughs> and uh, there's another question in a similar vein, really. Um, Guy Greaterx would like to ask, um, what makes you do the long distance races? Like he's put here, like the Northern Traverse, which isn't a multi-day one. It's kind of like a go as long as you can and sleep in a bush kind of event. Um, uh, he says, is it to explore new places? Do you like the challenge is it like a ticking off mission of different races or do you like the people or is it something else altogether or maybe everything <laughs> yeah it's a little bit of everything but I, I, it's the it's the route i think which is the priority for me so when i'm looking to do a new race i, I want to go on new routes i want to explore things and that northern traverse is the wainwright coast to coast route and um, that was something, my, my dad died 2009 and he was a keen walker. And that was one of the things that he always wanted to do, but never did. Um, and so that, that was in my mind a bit. And uh, James Thurlow, who organizes that race, I've done the legs in a day and he's a great guy. He, yeah. he puts on some amazing events. So it was a combination. So I think if I'm looking for a new event, the priority for me is the route. I, I, I want to find a route which appeals to me, and that one did. The thought of starting at St. Bees and finishing at Robin Hood's Bay, it's just an amazing journey across the country. It looks great on Strava as well when you put it on. You've got <laughs> yeah, this, so you know, long. It's, yeah, 100, 190 miles across the country. Yeah. Uh, so that, that will be the priority. And then the second thing is I, I, love the, I, I like to be off-road as much as possible. Uh, I love the routes which go over mountains, so Dragon's Back, Northern Traverse, where you're going over the tops, um, because that 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 ad just adds in a lot more to me. Um, I, I must admit, things like a 24-hour races around a track, they they don't appeal to me. I understand why people do them, but I don't. They don't appeal to me. It's the I've I, I got into ultra because I love being in the hills. I love being in the mountains. And so it's the, the priority is choosing a, 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 a route. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> but I can't see why anyone would run, want to run around a track for any longer yeah. than 5K. <laughs> everyone, everyone's different though, aren't they? Yeah. You know, there's, in our last podcast we, in Run to the Hills, we interviewed a couple of people who did Mark Coburn's races, ah. you know, and, um, and he has those races up and down a hill 40 times or run through a tunnel and they appeal to certain people and that I think that's the great thing about ultra running at the moment there's a whole variety of stuff so there's things that appeal to you there's things that appeal to me and then there'll be totally different races that appeal to other people and, yeah. and so there's something for everyone isn't there yeah and we can't have just everyone doing exactly the same no. races they will be full right. yeah. <laughs> they're full enough yeah. as it is yeah <laughs> let's get lots of different races um, and um, cool so that's what you like about racing and we'll come on to your training in just a minute because we have got some questions that have popped up on the live chat about your training as well um, so I've just made a note of those um, but you've kind of already covered this but I must just ask you from John Moisey um, he said John's videos of races are an absolute go-to for information on race routes and what sort of thing to expect and also his knowledge base on the West Island Way race is second to none he's an absolute font of knowledge what inspired John to start documenting his races and training in this way um, you've already kind of covered it but just in a nutshell um, let's cover it again just just for John <laughs> yeah I, I think I've got one of those personalities that just love to record things I, I, I was talking to my, my mum recently and uh, when I was a kid I used, to, I used to love sort of writing things down and, and making lists and stuff and I, 
I, and I love spreadsheets. Um, so <laughs> I, I do think, like a good spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, so I think when I got into running, I, I just love keeping a record of how many miles I've run and what I've done. And I remember, say, for example, the West Harlem Way, uh, Ian Beatty, who's the race director now, has become a really good friend. And I remember running with him a, a couple of times, and he says, "What we have checkpoints that are roughly between 6 and 10 miles apart. And he says what he likes to do is to split it up a little bit and to make little mini sections. So I, I just took, I just take this to the next degree. So basically the West Harlem Way, I split it all up into between two and a half and four mile mini legs. Oh. And I've got them all marked off. And so I just, and I just love that idea of just running two and a half miles, because that's doable. Yeah. And then once you get to that first one, then the next one's three miles. And I can run three miles. And then before you know where, you've run 60 miles. But if you just break it down into little chunks, it just makes it more doable rather than if you start at Mulgai and you think, I've got to run 95 miles now. How can I do that? Whereas I can run two and a half. And so I, I, I think that that sort of idea. And then I think once I'd done a couple of West Harlem ways, I then started to think uh, just there hadn't been much documented really of the records. And so I, I sort of um, I took all the results off the website I could find and made a big spreadsheet, um, and then that became you know people sort of started using that, and then the late the late hundred when I did that the first time again I couldn't see anywhere where all the results are put together, so I just thought well, I'll do it, and then so I've done it for quite a few of the races now, and uh, I, I think it's a lovely record to see, and particularly for people who've done se- done it several times, just to be able to see where they stand in an overall list. And where where that their, their record as it goes along? Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's just amazing the the amazing resource that you've prepared around the race. And yeah, if anybody's doing it, then listen to the podcast. It's invaluable, absolutely. Um, and that splitting it up um tip into just like two to three to four miles that sounds like a, a great tip for beginners and i've got a question about beginners so i'm sure you've got more tips later but, um but um i've just got a quick question from nigel barnett who wants to know um what your background was before you did the ultras like were you a hiker then in before you did your first west island way um or a cyclist or anything no, I've always been a runner uh, for okay. ever ever since I was in school. I used to love running. Uh, I was in the Boys Brigade Company in Liverpool, and we did lots of races. And because I suppose the standard wasn't quite so good, I used to win quite quite a few things. So that was always nice. <laughs> so modest. And then, well, and then I think through my college time, I trained as a PE teacher, and then I worked for a Christian organisation where I couldn't do more uh, team sports. So I started doing more running. So in my mid in the mid eighties, when I was sort of between about 22 and 25, 26, I did a lot of half marathons, mm-hmm. and I loved the half marathon distance. My my best time was 116. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's you know, pretty and, rapid. <laughs> yeah, and I I just really enjoyed that sort of distance. Oh no, we've lost John. <laughs> Not many races. He'll come back in a minute. Um, oh, sorry, John, we just lost you there for a moment. <laughs> you had me yeah. panicked. Um, okay. You're back. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you did the half marathon distances, um, and you loved that. Yeah. 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 And then, and then I got married. We went, we went overseas. Worked in Bangladesh and India for eight years, and I, I, st- I still kept running, but not, you know, no races and not so much. Um, and then when I, when I came back to the UK in '95, I started just doing a few more half marathons, um, and, and, and then I say I had this injury when I was sort of 45, 46. Um, and then when I got through that, then I got into, into the ultras. Um, so my background really was more of a road runner, but I've always loved walking in the hills. 
Um, but never, I, I did one race, I think, a while ago, and I, uh, I, I sort of did that sort of hill running. Um, but it was really when I discovered ultras that I put those two things together, my love of running and my love of walking. Um, but it took, I would say it took me two years at least to really condition my legs to be able to really handle the, the you know, it's the downhill running, isn't it? That really gets to you. Yeah. And I think if you, you know, the, the doms, the delayed onset of muscle soreness, I think it takes you a, a year or two to really develop those muscles to be able to run the downs. Yeah, definitely. And if you run too fast downhill um, in the early stages of the race, you can really feel yeah. it, can't you? Like you said on the Devil's Staircase on your um, West Island Way race. Um, I'm just um, looking for another question here because this was a really interesting one about your training. We'll move on to the training now. So um, Philip Haddock wants to know how many days per week do you train? Um, and there's another question that's relating to your mileage as well, um, where, yeah, Sue says you don't seem to do a massive amount of mileage each month. Um, she's wondering if that's to keep injury at, at bay. Um, so yeah, so how many week, days a week do you train and like what's your mileage um, and, and why? Okay, I would say um, I, I, I roughly run about 40 miles a week on average, but some weeks will be 60, some weeks will be 20. Um, I, I'm in this for the long term. And I think I've always taken the view that I want to try and find a, a, a way of training that fits within my life, my, my life, because I've, you know, a full-time job and uh, you know interests as well. So I, I want to make sure it's sustainable. So I would say I run five times a week uh, on, if I'm training for something. So a Monday night with the club, I do a fart leg session with Kilbarkan. Wednesday, I try and do a longish off-road run up to eight to ten miles. Thursday would be an easy five to six mile run. And then at the weekend, I'd try and do a longer run. And that might be 15 miles or it might be 30 miles, depending on the stage of my training. And then Sunday, I would do a recovery run or, or, uh, or, or another rest day. So I, the most I run is five times a week. And normally, it would, if on an easier week, it would be three times. But the other big thing that I've done is that I try and work on a four-week cycle. So okay. I, work, I, I have three weeks of building up. So the first week might be 35 miles, the next one would be 40, and then a big one of maybe 50 or 60 miles with a big long run. And then the following week, I'm down to 20, and I just run three times, nice and easy. Uh, and I found that the older I get, the more important that is for me as well. Um, because I, I want I say, I, I want to be able to keep running for as long as I can. And I feel as though if I, if I try to up the mileage too much, I'd be more sustainable for injury, and also just motivation-wise, I, I can honestly say that the, 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 the majority of times I run, I, I want to and I really enjoy it. Whereas I think if I was trying to run twice a day or every day, I, I think I would lose that, that, that enjoyment of it. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. And um, yeah, you would. Um, and, and you say you think you might get injured if you run more. Have you been injured in the past at all? Um, has, has that, is that sort of a learning experience for you? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've got a problem. I've got a, a nasty bunion on my right, on my right foot. Yeah. Which me, which me, and that was the, I had a, this, that was the calf injury I had in, in before I got into ultras. And basically I, I don't roll off my big toe very well because it's quite stiff. So I roll off my second toe, which which then puts pressure on my calf. So the, the reason I got uh, got going again was that I had a, a physio down the, the local hospital in Paisley, and this runner got me going again, and she, and she basically got some insoles made for me, 
which just build up that that toe which means that i don't put so much pressure on it and then that looking you know looking back that's what sort of has, has really helped me to be running again um, and then a few years, a couple of years ago, I, I thought, well, maybe I don't need the insoles anymore. <laughs> I've been running for 10, 11 years with them. Maybe I've just changed my running style. I try to run a bit more on my foot, you know, my midfoot rather than a heel striker and this sort of stuff. And so I, I stopped, I stopped using them. And about three or four months later, I, I got this, uh, an injury on a tendon. And so I went back and got the insoles made again, and that was two years ago, and I, it's been fine since then. So I basically need these insoles to be able to to to, to counterbalance the uh, the bunion. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I find with my shoes as well, I really need, I, I, I must buy a, a wide fitting with a, with a wide shoe box. There's loads of shoes I just can't wear because they're just too tight. Yeah. So my favourite ones at the moment, the Ultra, the Ultra Lone Peak. Yeah. And they are they are so comfy for me because they're they're nice nice and wide. I have no issues at all with with my bunion. I did the dragons back in them with no problem at all. So they're they're so I find that I'm, I I need a wide shoe to be able to help. Yeah. yeah. But generally, I would say over the last 14 years, I've had probably two injuries that have kept me out for more than a few months. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I think because. The, the vast majority of my runs are off-road on softer ground and I think that helps mm. if I was running 40 miles a week on the road I think I would be more injured but because I do uh, anything over 10 miles is off-road yeah. and that helps yeah yeah definitely the soft surface definitely mm. helps there I'm, I'm sure that that helps and also like the difference in terrain you're using different muscles every time you put your foot down aren't yeah. you so it's not just repetitive muscle yeah. like overstrain yeah. injury and so just going back to the shoes that's really interesting about you wearing the ultras for the wider toe box there um but do you find like um that your insole sort of um makes the zero drop a little bit different because I can't wear ultras personally because I need a bit of a higher drop than zero drop so the insole does that sort of lift you up a bit or how does that um kind of work how does that make the zero drop different i'm not i'm not sure actually um i i, I wasn't aware that ulcers were zero drop yeah until i started i used them for a while so it it, it I, I think because the um for me the comfort is is the the priority so if if ultra are zero drop but they're, they're comfy shoes then I'll, I'll i've learned to run with them so i'm not sure if i can answer your question from the technical side um yeah i just wondered if I, the insole sort of lifted you up a bit or if it made it a bit different but possibly yeah. but but the insoles i've got don't do much to the heel it's more around my toe and i've got on the right foot i've got like a high arch so it just builds up because the the the, physio, the the guy was the physio was saying that when I land I would land and then drop, land and drop. So the insole just makes means that when I land I don't have that drop as mm -hmm. well. So I, I, so that that seemed to be the priority. But before I used the Ultra, I used Hoka when mm -hmm. when they came on, and the first generation of Hoka, yeah, I know really they didn't look ones. so great. <laughs> yeah, but but they they were great for me because they were again a really wide a wide wide fitting. And then over the years, they've narrowed a bit. Yeah, I know they got I was one or two say, models. The ones I've had, like they really yeah. squished my feet. They've yeah. got a wide fit though to some of them, haven't they? Yeah, but even I've tried some of the wider fitting ones, mm. and they're, they're still too narrow for me. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I say I, I just need a, a wide one. Yeah. So I, I think to answer your question, I'm not sure about the zero drop. Yeah. But but for me, the the, the wide toe box is that it, it sort of outweighs any disadvantage. 
yeah yeah they if, definitely if there is one. <laughs> they yeah. are the widest shoe around aren't they um mm. they're, they're really really good um and sue who just asked you that question um she is listening right now and she says i'm an ultra fan too thank you for answering my question really interesting john thanks Pleasure. Um, and Philip Haddock is listening live as well and he says thank you and Nigel Barnett says um, great answer thanks John and he loves his Lone Peaks they suit me um, they suit him really well um, and Gordon Parton says um, interesting things about insoles um, he suffered from plantar fasciitis and the only thing that helped him to fix it was using Vivo Barefoots um, and he strengthened up his feet so yeah like lots of interesting everybody's feet are different though isn't it it's just so mm -hmm. hard to say oh yeah I need this thing or you need this thing you need that thing you've just got to do it individually haven't you mm. Um, and so now we come on to a question from John Gardner, who is actually my first ever patron. Um, he, so, so he has supported me for a long time. So definitely better ask, ask his question. Um, he says, John is a lot like me. Please ask him how his age influences tra his training and his recovery. For example, he rarely trains for more than two hours at a time and usually every other day. Why does he weight train? Will he disclose his height and weight? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the first part of his question. Then he has another part of the question which I'll ask you um, in a moment. <laughs> so he wants my height and weight? Yes, yeah, he okay. wants to know if he's really like you, I think. <laughs> okay, um, I think I'm five, nine and a half and uh, I, I try and keep just under 12 stone. I think that's my, my, my fighting weight. If I get, <laughs> if I go over 12 stone, I've, I do feel a bit heavy. I've got down to as low as 11 and a half stone before the dragon's back, um, but my wife wasn't impressed. She felt I looked a bit sort of, uh, a, bit, a bit ill. Yeah, a bit <laughs> so emaciated. I, 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 I think just under 12 stone, I feel comfortable at that weight. Yes. Yeah yeah okay um and yeah and he just wants to know because i think he's a similar age to you so he's really interested in what you've learned about about your age and how that can influence your training and your recovery yeah i think i'm 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 a lot less worried now about the pace i run at probably because i'm <laughs> sl I'm, a, I'm definitely slowing down um and so i try it, it it is a lot more about enjoyment now and making sure that I, I keep going. I'm still as competitive with myself as I've ever been. I love the, I love being in the male 60 category, and I, I try my best in in that. You know, and I, you win the odd thing, and I, you do well in that category, and that's that's a bonus. Um, but I, I recognise that um, I've, I've got. If I want to do this long term, I do need to be more sensible, and make sure that I look after myself. So. I'm a lot more kind to myself now. If um, if I've had a long run, like for example, last Saturday I ran 30 miles. I've got the the the, the hardmost 55 in two weeks, and then two weeks after that, the South Downs weigh 100. So I wanted to do one long run before in a build up to that. So in the past, I'd have maybe ran on the Saturday and then maybe done another run on the Sunday. But this time I thought, no, I'd, I want to be sensible. I had a great run. It was a good day out. Um, but I wanted to make sure I, I, I recovered from that. Um, whereas in the maybe five, ten years ago, I, I probably would have pushed a bit harder. So I, I am trying to be, I say, the, the long term. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think long term, yeah. And you can always walk, can't you? It doesn't yeah. always have to be a run. Um, 
And also, um, John Gardner would like to know, um, he's seen from your um, blog and your YouTube channel that you seem to prefer stage racing, um, but when you go to 50 miles or more at one go, um, how, does, how do you maintain your pace um, as the pain presumably increases? Yeah, I, I, think, I think one of the things that I, I really want to do now is to finish well. That's one of my main goals in a, in a 50 mile race, a hundred mile race. And so to finish well, I need to start really sensibly. Uh, a few years ago, I went through a bit of a tough time where I had some really tough finishes. I finished them, but they weren't much fun. You know, it was a real death march the last 10, 15 miles or longer. And so I, I, I decided I would try and um, make sure I, I started better. So I started running to heart rate. And, and for about two or three years, I, I did it religiously. I would wear a heart rate monitor and I would keep it below a certain amount for the first five hours and made sure that I didn't go anywhere near that red zone and just made sure I looked after myself. And that made a, a massive difference. And it meant that I could, I'm still slowing down as everyone does, but I feel I, I do slow down less than others. So it means that if I start really comfortably, then I can end up catching people. So for example, the, the, the Lakeland 100 I did the second time, the first time I did it, it took me 33 and a half hours and I was, my feet were just in bits. And I, I felt capable of being under 30 hours. And so I set my schedule and um, I got to the first checkpoint. There was, I think there was four, 300 that first year and I was 201st at the first checkpoint after seven miles. And then I finished 60th in wow. fifth, in, 29 and a half hours and it was simply because I, I, I really paced it well that first seven miles I let everybody stream past me up out of Coniston mm -hmm. let them all go and then over the next 28 29 hours I just slowly caught up with people and I, I tell you it, I've done both where you're getting caught and I know which I prefer <laughs> yeah. and much psychologically if you're able to still be catching people over the last 10 hours of a long race what that does to you mentally is just it's worth you know it's worth a lot yeah um, it's such yeah. a good feeling isn't it but it's so it <laughs> it's such a hard thing to learn to hold yourself back at the start yeah. of that race when you just feel so fresh yeah. and so tapered yeah. and I, so recovered I do, think, I do think generally females are better than those guys <laughs> yeah we do, do have a good reputation for that don't we yeah we yeah. don't go I, out I just, all guns blazing <laughs> often girls are just a bit more sensible about the way they start they don't feel as though they have to race off with the men uh, so sometimes I'll, I'll often just uh, try and stay with a, a group of, of women because I know they're going to be much, they're going to pace it more sensibly. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. <laughs> that sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> um, uh, we've we've got a couple of questions. Um, to, um, towards the end, um, I'll ask you a couple of questions about kind of tips for people like doing their first ultra, doing their first multi-day. Um, but first, there's a question from Guy, um, who um, is a big fan and has asked several questions um, he wants to know a bit about the dragon's back race he says um, having watched your journey and successful completion of the Berghaus dragon's back race do you think your success was because of everything you've done over a long period of time to get you to that point um, or or the training that you did or the reckies or everything and also do you want to go back and do that extra day that they they've added in now <laughs> do you want to do it again <laughs> 
Okay, I would say there's three things that um, really helped me. The first one is that overall experience. I think by the time I did the Dragon's Back, I'd done almost 50 ultras by then. So I'd learned a lot. I'd learned, I'd, I'd made loads of mistakes and learned from them. So that was a key, that was a, the overall thing. The, the, the recce's, I, I, I really wanted to do that. My friend Andy Cole um, said to me, if you want to do this race, I'll do them with you. So we, we had five weekends from the July in the previous year and I covered the whole route over five weekends. And that made a massive difference, just knowing what was coming and taking all my videos and seeing, you know, we had some bad weather actually on a couple of them where the views were terrible. But um, that really helped me prepare. But I would say the biggest thing was from January through till the race in May, I set myself a goal of running at least 5,000 5, feet of climb every week. And some, normally it was nearer 10. Yeah. And so I really spent a long time making sure that I was hill fit. Mm -hmm. I was able to go up and down the hills. Obviously living in Scotland is great. Mm -hmm. Within an hour, an hour and a half, I've got loads of Munros, 3,000 foot climbs that I can do regularly. So I was doing at least a big day every month. And normally every week I do at least a, a Ben Lomond. After work, I drive over, go up and down Ben Lomond, which would give me three or 4,000 feet of climb each, each midweek. So I, I, I think, I felt really prepared for that race. I really worked hard, and I was, I was, I was able to get up, uh, up and down the hills well. And I would say in the race, the people around me, I was a strong going up. Uh, I'm, my weakness is running down, and the more technical it is, the worse I am. So I do lose ground and time on the downs, um, but not enough to sort of, you know, to put me out, put me out the race or anything. Yeah. But I, I, I really felt hill fit. Yeah, and I think anyone doing the dragon's back, that would be the biggest tip I would have, is to just just go up and down as many mountains as you can in the preparation. Because I, I, I watch people in that race, who, particularly those coming from overseas or hadn't hadn't done much hill work. They might be a great, you know, great over 50 miles on a, a an undulating course, but if you're not hill fit for that race, it's going to find you out. Yeah, those hills are really steep, especially the first yeah. day is like yeah, 40 miles over the Welsh 3000ers yeah. like, and yeah. then Crib Goch to finish. It's crazy, yeah. which incidentally is behind you, isn't it? Crib Goch there and That's then right. Snowden yes. on, to yeah. your, on your right hand shoulder um, yeah. is Snowden just peeking up there. Um, and yeah, so they've uh, they've obviously changed the Dragon's Back for this coming year. Well, fingers crossed that everything will get back to normal um, and it's it's got a little bit longer. Are you tempted to do it again with that extra I distance? am actually. It's funny oh. because I, I thought it would be a one-off. I mm -hmm. thought, you know, it's one of those, it's quite expensive to, to enter as well. And I thought it would it would just be once and that, that you know, I've completed it. But I must admit now they've added the sixth day and it just seems to complete the journey to go from the sea to the sea. So, yeah, I think I am tempted. Not next year because um, I'll, I'll be doing the, uh, I've got this dead water race I want to do. Oh, um, oh yeah. we'll talk more but, about um, that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if I don't go back because yeah. I, I loved it so much. And now that it is an extra day, it's that extra incentive to do. Ah, you heard it first here, everyone, unless you've been talking <laughs> about it on your Run to the Hills podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Um, fantastic. Um, Di does have one more question, but we'll leave that one to the end because it's kind of like a nice ending question. Um, but John Gardner, whose question you previously answered, um, he is watching live as well. Everyone's watching live tonight. It's fantastic. He says, thank you so much for sharing your answers, John. You are definitely an inspiration for blokes like me. I have a 50K in two weeks time. I will start a little more slowly this time. Excellent. <laughs> there you and, go. And, and I guarantee you'll enjoy it more. Yeah, I really think so. And I think everyone kind of panics at the beginning, don't they? Because everybody else does hair off and I don't know why they do it or how. Um, but you, you do kind of get caught up in the flow of it, don't you? And you it, it's been interesting breath and <laughs> Yeah, on, on the run to the hills, we, we've been reviewing different races. Yeah. And uh, it's been quite interesting because the, the North Downs Way and the hard moors that we've covered, the, the more time trials now, but obviously because yeah. of the COVID, so people set off in groups of five or six mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and then four, three or four minute intervals. And a, a few of the people that we've interviewed have said that it actually helps them mm -hmm. because instead of being in a mass start and you get sucked along with, uh, with runners, if you're in a smaller group who are, have all said that they're aiming for this time, so they're, they're putting mm -hmm. the same group together. Yeah. And so people have found that it's, it's helped them to set off at a more sensible pace. So that's been quite. That's been an interesting yeah. um, part of of the races at the moment. Yeah, that is super interesting. Yeah, mm. um, that is. Yeah, um, it is really hard when you're surrounded by a group of like a huge group of people because obviously you're anywhere in that scrum, aren't you? And you know you could be next yeah. to someone who wants twenty hours, and you could be aiming for twenty four. So yeah, that's super interesting that that you've noticed that. Um, and um, I'm just going to tap you up for some tips here now, John, because um, you seem very learned um, and you record everything. So Hannah Baisley says on the live chat, um, as someone just getting into ultra running, she's got her first one at the end of the month, COVID permitting, um, what would your top five tips be? <laughs> so they're just to put you on the spot there, John, just, just pluck five tips out of the air. <laughs> okay. Um... I think for someone doing the first one, I would I would say the most one of the most important things or tip one would be to start sensibly, and, uh, and as we've just you know, been talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and, and I do think that's that's really that's really good. Second tip, I, I don't know what what ability she's at, what, what sort of pace, but I would say to walk all all the hills. Don't be tempted. You probably can run some of the hills in the first five ten miles if you're fit and prepared. Then it's it's easy to you know she's, she's probably capable of running them, but I don't think there's any advantage in doing that because it would it just means that you'll pay for it later on. So that would be another one. I would say an, another key tip would be the checkpoints. I think a lot of people who do uh, ultras for the first time waste a lot of time in checkpoints. They they spend far too long. They think they've only been there for two minutes, mm. but they've been there for ten. And if, if there's five checkpoints and you're there for five minutes longer than you should do, then you're adding a lot of time on, onto that. So I would say that's, that's a key thing. Um, another one was what I shared before about breaking it down. Mm. So if, I don't know, how, how far is it she said she's running? Um, I don't say? know. It, uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. well, she might tell us later, but yeah. maybe well, we'll call it 50K. <laughs> yeah, okay. So if it's 50K then that, that's quite formidable if you've not run that before and it's a bit, it's hard mentally. Whereas if she broke it down into 10 5K runs, so there's 10 park runs, 
you know, and she's probably done a park run or that sort of distance. And it's just more manageable in your mind to be able to, to, to be able to do that. And so I would say that would be a, a key thing to just to, to break it down into bite-sized pieces. And then the final piece of advice I would have is to, to really enjoy it and to learn as much as she can. So the first one, well, every, every race you do, you learn from. So that's why I love writing race reports and I try and write them within a day or two of doing the race when it's fresh in my mind. And I try and be as honest as I can. So obviously there's some races that do go well and that's nice and you learn from those. But the ones you learn the most from <laughs> are the ones where things have gone badly and, and you've gone off too quick or you've not eaten the right stuff or something's happened. And if you can write it down, and even if it's notes for yourself, then that would be a, a big thing. But um, there's, there's five. Will that, will that, yeah, will that, do? that is great. Five tips from you there, just off the cuff, like with no prep for that. I'm very impressed by that, John. And really good tips as well. Those would be exactly the same from me. Um, and now I need to tap you up for some multi-day advice because Flo Maskell, um, new patron, she has a question for you, John. She says, um, what would your advice be for someone looking to their do their first multi-day event um, in terms of training and preparation? So um, like maybe just a, a couple of tips just uh, key ones maybe okay I would say do it because multi days are great and I say that it just adds something else onto it I would say a, a couple of key things for me on the uh, on the multi day one is to see the whole thing as a as a, as a one as an event so I think it's easy to see that the running bit and then you, you sort of recover and then you start again but that that that, that, that bit in the middle whether it's three days or whatever it is that's just as important so things like with the dragon's back what I did is as I came in the last mile I started to prepare for the next day almost and so I didn't hammer it into the check to the to the campsite I tried to start easing off so that I, I, I could finish feeling okay rather than if you run right to the line then you, you get really cold very quickly and you, you start seizing up. So to use that, that time to make sure you prepare well. So as soon as I got in, I got warm, I got some food, I got, you know, I got myself ready and made sure I slept well. So that camp craft is just as important in a sense as the day. And that's something which is different to a, to a, a if you're doing a 50 mile race, you can finish and give everything you've got because you know you can have a week off, two weeks off, and you don't have to run again for a while so you can you can finish with zero in the tank whereas in a multi-day you've got to think about the next day and the next day so make sure you see that as overall and I would say that the training um, I, I would practice a bit on running two or three days on the run because if you if you only run one day and you don't know what that's like so I think that is a, a key part of a multi-day is learning how to to start off the next you've done 30 40 miles in your legs and then you start off and it's a different feeling when you've got legs that have been have done already done 30 miles the day before and learning how to get going again you have to practice that I think yeah definitely um it's another thing altogether isn't it and i also find that there's a difference between three day multi-days because you could kind of just keep going mm. for three days but and then eight day is like another thing altogether yeah. so yeah. so just 
doing make sure you know like you did your ring of fire before you did the dragon's back like just make sure that you up those days um mm. in your training um yeah but those are fantastic tips john um it's amazing what you can um just achieve off the spot it's really quite fantastic um and everybody's really appreciating that um and Hannah has got back to us as well about her ultra. So I said 50K, she's doing 34 miles, which is like 55K. So pretty, got that pretty much right there as well. Um, and um, and Di, whose question you answered just a minute ago, he says, thank you so much, John, a fantastic insight into the dragon's back. He can't wait to follow your dragon's adventures next time. <laughs> Um, which brings us to the final question, um, which is also from Di, <laughs> actually. Um, and he says, finally, you've mentioned previously on your videos about your goal ultras. So you want to complete 100 ultras before you're 70. Um, he says, how has COVID affected that? And are you still going to be on track for that? I think you've got a while yet. <laughs> yeah. I've done, I've done 51 so far. So I was hoping to do, basically, I need to do five a year for the next 10 years mm -hmm. to sort of to complete it. So this year, I've not done any yet, but I have got three to, I've got three lines up still so i've got the hardmost 55 in two weeks the south downs weigh 100 two weeks later and then the uh, the the tour of hell Valen on uh, in december so i will get three in this year hopefully yeah um so yeah i've got enough time so i, I might have to do six or seven one year but i'm going to try and sort of uh, just space it out but i think I think five a year is for me is is enough. I have friends who do twice that many or more, but again, I I, I do like to do the best I can in every race. And I think if I try and do too many, then I, I'm gonna you know I, I I start treating them as training runs, and I don't like that. I like to give my best on every one I do. Yeah. Um. But it might be that as I get older, I might end up doing more 50 mile ones rather than all 100 mile you know 100 mile ones. Yeah. So I might be a bit more sensible in the in the in the second half of this decade we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah and guy says um uh, would you do cape wrath and i know you've mentioned that you were mm. going to do cape wrath in a couple of years um you could count because some of those days are ultras so i think like maybe even six five or six of those no. days are ultras no. so you could count no, all five of those no i'm not no it's one race one race I, oh you're doing it the hard way i know i i did think about that because the um say for example that the ring of fire yeah that's, it's 30 that's odd miles three. 60 so you, you could count that as three but it's one race mm -hmm. so i, I yeah. just feel morally for myself yeah that it's I, i'm counting it as one race <laughs> well that's very good you've got to set the standard somewhere haven't you <laughs> that's right. um and did you mention um did you, you said dead water um do you, do you mean bad water that one in america no it's called dead water it's organized by beyond marathons oh okay um he did it two years ago, three years ago now, and uh, there's only 50 people. It's quite a small event, um, and you start. It's a place called Deadwater, just inside Scotland. Oh. And then you go down, basically down the spine of the country. Um, so that and uh, it's based on um marathon de sable where you have to carry all your stuff mm -hmm. and you've got to carry your food and then after three days you can have a supply bag with your food for the next three days and they provide tents but you've got to carry your sleeping bag and whatever whatever you need for for, for the six days and um, yeah so it's i think there's a, there's a long day like there are there is in marathon de sable which is 
I think sort of 60 miles, but the other days around about 30 miles a day, 35 miles. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, another one race there. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're making yeah. it hard for yourself. <laughs> I am. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, it's been really cool to chat to you tonight, John. I'm just. Um, can, I, can I just mention one thing for me? Yeah, uh, just, sure. Just. I'm just going to read the, out some more the, stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the run to the hills. That I think um, I just wanted to share with that because I, I started a podcast with the West Harlem Way in 2012, and I've always enjoyed doing that, but. I, I really wanted to maybe try and do a, something which was wider than that, just one race. And then uh, during the lockdown, I started doing some live interviews on my Facebook page, and you were one of my guests. That was <laughs> lovely to have you on. Yeah, that was um, fun. And I, and I started thinking a bit more about I'd like to maybe take that further. And so I was. I, I, think, I think there was a little gap in the in the market in the sense of having a podcast which was about a race that's just gone on. So I was thinking about doing this, and then Tim Taylor from Cheer Charge got in touch, and the guy who was doing his podcast, Run to the Hills, was moving on, and Tim asked me would I like to take over. So we're up to it, we've done eight episodes now, and I co-host that with Edwina Sutton, and uh, I'm just really enjoying that. And again, it's been lovely having some feedback on that. So if anyone would like to like to, to listen to it, you can find it on all the main um, uh, podcast providers uh, it's called run to the hills and we try and review a race every week basically uh, hopefully once the races get going again there'll be more races to review but we've had plenty of plenty of it already so yeah, yeah. And how do you review those races have you either of you done them or do you find somebody who's done them and talk to them about it yeah it's a mixture so so far uh, we try and speak to the male and female winner um, and I, I get them on together as well, which is quite oh. nice. So you have an interview with the two of them, and they and they can ask each other questions. Yeah. And it's it's been really interesting some of the things that they've seen from each other as well. Yeah. And then we try and pick another couple of runners, maybe down the field. Oh. Um, so it's not just the winners. We wanted to try and interview people from the front end as well as the end of the race in the middle. And so it's been a, a nice little balance, really. Yeah, that's not, it's really good. And, and you don't just do one thing in the podcast, do you? You, you cover a few different, uh, like a few things, do you? Like a few yeah, different we, people in there. Yeah, and also we, we try and do a top tip each week. So hmm. Edwina is a GB athlete. She's a very experienced runner. So we try, each week we, we discuss something. Um, so whether it's um, pacing or whether it's finishing or fatigue or try and have something that we can share some of the things that we've learned and then we also have a, a competition each week so we invite mm. people to to share their thoughts so last week's was about I, I did one about uh, crews and about top tips of support um, and then we've had loads of really interesting comments on our Facebook page and so we'll have to judge the winner for that for this week's episode. Yeah. Oh, and what kind of stuff do they win? They win cheer charge bars or a oh, bandana. Because a cheer charge sponsor they sponsor the podcast, so they provide the pri the prize each week. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. And and how long is the podcast? Like, what? How long do we have to run for to listen to it all? Yeah, I, I try and aim for around about an hour, but <laughs> um, but the, the, they normally just go a little bit over but around about an hour to an hour and 10 minutes yeah and then it, it goes out as a podcast on the friday and then also as on, on our youtube channel on the saturday morning mm -hmm. yeah it takes so ages to upload doesn't it do you find that um yeah i do well not the podcast i take the oh, oh the podcast cool. okay but, yeah but the, the youtube takes oh a yeah while to upload. Yeah, yeah 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 when i'm uploading the films to youtube it takes ages yeah. so yeah it does yeah. take ages <laughs> um yeah um so that's 
brilliant. Um, brilliant. Everybody give that podcast a listen. This goes out as a podcast as well. It's just Wild Ginger mm. Running Podcast. So there's two awesome podcasts for you to listen to um, on your runs and both a little bit different, which is a really nice, yeah. a really nice thing yeah. as well. Um, so I'm going, I've, ha- I've kept you for a long time here, John. <laughs> Usually we do an hour, but we're just coming up to an hour 10. So thank you so much for your time and all your tips. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about ultra running, don't worry. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm going to read out some nice things that people have said about you um, uh, so that you can just feel that warm glow inside you as, as we come to a finish here. Um, so Rob Manning says, looking forward to catching the Dragons Back and Lakeland videos and thanks in advance because he's doing the Lakeland 50 next year and hopefully Dragons Back 2022. So he is really appreciative of all your of all your um, things there, um, and uh, there was a really nice comment for both of us from Peter Krafthofer. Um, he says, um, "I am so happy that I found your channel, Claire. So so many great people for interviews. So um, that that is you, basically, John." Um, he says, "This is opening a new world for me." Um, um, and he wants to come and run in Great Britain at some point as well. So we're inspiring people to come and visit us um and i'm just scrolling down um and it's uh, another comment um i think i read this out from die thank you so much john fantastic insight to the dragon's back um he can't wait to follow your adventures and um oh this is a good one andrew Ryder says what a wonderfully clear speaker a wonderful and eminently helpful discussion <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so thank you, Andrew. Um, uh, Hannah says, thanks, John. John Gardner says, good luck to you. Um, and Flo Maskell says, thank you for your great advice, John. I am excited to sign up for a multi-dayer now. Good. Um, Guy Greatrex says, great answer. Lee Gillum says he's just subscribed to your podcast. Um Di says so many great tips thank you so much for answers John and all the best for your future races um, I will continue to listen to Run to the Hills great podcast um, and um, Philip says thank you Claire and John um, hope to see you on the next Lakeland next year um, John Gardner says John is a superb guest I will look forward to exploring his video library um, perhaps John will be willing to come on again um, thank you John and Claire you both have the best values <laughs> Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> um, and Hannah is looking forward to the podcast. She says she loves listening to people's race experiences on Run to the Hills, especially the more relatable runners. I think it's great how you do the winners and the normal people. Um, Sue says, thanks, John and Claire. What a great interview, super informative. John is such a happy and inspiring person. I loved it. I've got a lot of running to do to catch up with all his podcasts now. <laughs> <laughs> So that's another good reason um, to to listen. It just gets you out on the run, doesn't it? Um, Andrew says, thank you, John. I will be following you on YouTube. And Guy says, love that smile. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of love for you there, John. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Everybody find John's blog. Just Google John Kiniston. Um, his name is bottom left of the screen, so you can spell it right. Google him. He's got a blog. He makes the films on YouTube. And the podcast is, there's loads of stuff on the West Island Way podcast. And there's Run to the Hills as well the new podcast with Edwina Sutton so thanks John it's been awesome have you any last words 
No, I just want to thank you very much. And uh, I, I think one of the things I love about the about the ultra running community is that support of each other. Um, you know, it's it's just such a great community, isn't it? You meet some amazing people. I've met so many good friends through ultra running, um, and I, I, it's really enriched my life in lots of ways. So I, I, I think the more people that get involved, it's just a, a great community. Yeah, a lot of people say that they just didn't realise how good it was right from the start, and they wish they'd done it earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's been so good chatting to you. Um, good luck with those three ultras for the rest of the year. I'm sure that Thank you'll you. smash them. And looking forward to hearing more about them um, from your blog and podcast and your films as well. Okay, thank you very much. Brilliant. Um, good night then, everyone. And thank you so much, John. Good night. Night. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>